Hey guys, I'm your host Smita Kanturi and welcome to Journey Podcast, your weekly podcast on transformational journeys. Hello everybody. I have an young lady with me by name Janice Strickland Nunn. She's a high school teacher uh, teaching science and a podcast host from Houston, Texas. She's married and has two amazing bonus kids. Janice loves to travel, write and spend time with her family. Welcome to the show, Janice. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. Um, I'm excited to tell my story. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Please go ahead and tell your story. So if I have any questions, I'll ask you. If not, keep going on that. Okay, definitely. So I am now I'm in a different place. I, like she said, I'm a high school teacher, um, science teacher, and I'm a podcaster. Um, I focus a lot uh, my life is centered around self-care and self-help and just self-love because of my experience in the past, um, which kind of led me down that path to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. And And I focus a lot on self-care because, you know, I figured if I didn't know how to love myself, I couldn't ask anybody to love me so or take care of me. And also, not, not just that, but if I want to help anybody else, I couldn't pour from an empty cup. So I learned how to like really put that care that I was giving out to everybody and put it back into myself and not feel like bad about it or feel like I was being selfish because it was necessary. And that was a tip that I learned from my therapist um, who kind of brought me to where I am today as well. So my story um, begins in college. I was a, a college freshman, getting ready to go into my second semester. It was like the end of the first semester, getting ready to go into the second semester. And um, I was away from home, you know, enjoying college life and being, you know, making adult decisions <laughs> and, you know, just exploring what it's like to be on your own, you know, and discover, you know, just learn about yourself. And um, so I, uh, I had been, talking to a guy off and on um, for a little bit. It wasn't anything like, you know, special or anything, but I was, I don't want to say exploring my sexuality, just exploring my sexual freedom, you know, making choices that I wanted for me. So I um, consented, you know, it was a consensual thing with me and him. um, And it was a plan to me, you know, have a date and do boy girl things, <laughs> do boy girl things. And so um, I get there and everything's good and, you know, things progress. And um, little did I know that his friend was going to be there and that I did not consent to that. And so, um, so I guess, it's not a guess, I was um, right. Um, it was a... Uh, it was strange. It was, uh, I kind of, I took, people asked me like, what did it feel like? I actually separated, like I made myself separate myself from where I was. I don't know how to, if I could, it's like I left my body. So my body was there, but I wasn't there. Like it was, you know, (laughs) um, and, uh, so after everything happened, I left. I, I didn't go to the police because I felt like it was my fault because um, I didn't leave or I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just felt like it was my fault. Um, and so, and I didn't tell anybody for a very long time. Um, 
And it was hard because I had to see them every day, like, because it's a college campus and I was an athlete and they were athletes. And so I saw them every day and it was so hard um, to, to go through that for the rest of that semester. And I remember uh, going home for Christmas break and telling my mom that I didn't want to go back. And, but I couldn't tell her like why I didn't want to go back. And, you know, she talked me through it. She was, I, I kind of lied. I told her it was because I was having some beef. It, was, it wasn't really a lie, it was an omission of the truth because I was having some issues with one of my coaches. And she was like, well, just change events. You know, she was being very supportive. And it was sad because I really wanted to tell her, but I just, I didn't want her to see me in that way. And, and I know she would have, cause I told her later, I'll get to that. But I, and, you know, I know she would have, she would have been there for me and she would have supported me if I would have gave her the chance to do it. But I didn't give her that chance. Yeah. But because of self, self guilt that you are carrying mm-hmm. or is that, that you are trying to protect your parents? Yeah. From mm-hmm. the- yeah. From, from the truth. So, so I went back, um, I remember going back and I actually got a boyfriend like that second semester I had a boyfriend and I kept him all through the whole time I was in college because um, I feel like that was the safest choice for me that if somebody if I was attached to somebody then maybe my choices wouldn't put me in another predicament like that which okay you know it didn't at the time it made sense. Now I'm like, girl, that was silly. But you know, it was just, it was a rationalization that maybe if I'm attached to somebody, if I make a stupid decision, it will be with somebody I trust and not, you know, well, I did trust that person, but you know, whatever. Um, And I did have, we had some issues in our relationship because as a result, I didn't like to be touched. You know, I didn't like physical touch um, or, you know, getting hugs, like any of that. I was kind of like, eh, don't touch me. You know, it was, I, I would jump a lot when people would touch me or anything. And um, I honestly didn't deal with it until after grad school. After grad school was when I knew I had to talk to somebody because I couldn't live my life without, um, physical touch, like even from my parents, you know, just somebody hugging you, you need somebody to hug you, like to give you comfort. And at times, like I would kind of shrink back when people would reach for me. And so I knew I couldn't continue to live my life like that. So I I went to therapy. um, And uh, when I went to therapy, some other stuff came up, like my anxiety disorder came up, and which was, you know, another result of the rape and and just all of that just kind of poured out. Like as we, as I spent time with my therapist and I got to talk to her and, you know, it was just a bunch of things that, that was kind of one of the underlying causes of all of it. Yeah, it was the issue was because I had this traumatic thing happen to me in my life, but I never dealt with it the way I should have. And, um, and so, once I went through therapy, you know, we talked about how it wasn't my fault and um, and just ways to, you know, deal with it and and also reclaim my sexuality because I felt like, you know, I couldn't be, you know, a, a sexual person because of that, you know, because, you know, we and, you know, society says, well, if you're a sexual female, something like that, I have, you know, 
yeah. all that stuff. But um, so I found ways after I talked to her, I started reclaiming my sexuality. I let people touch me, <laughs> you know, like not just, you know, not sexual wise, but just like the comforting, like the hugs and the cuddles that I loved so much when I was younger. And, you know, this one thing made me stop loving it. But I got back to where I love to cuddle. <laughs> I love hugs. You know, I love giving out hugs. I, I got back to that point. But I think the amazing thing that that helped me was therapy. Um, I do feel bad that I did not report it to the police. Like I, I really should have because I could have saved somebody else from that situation if I would have went and told somebody to report it. Like that's the thing I really feel bad about. But the rape itself, I no longer blame myself for it because it wasn't my fault, you know, and I didn't ask for it. But it's so it really was, important to stop that self-blaming thing that mm -hmm. it is my fault kind of, yes. Yeah. yeah, that it wasn't my fault because people will always make you seem like, you know, well, why were you over there and what were you doing? And that's what you wanted to do. And it's like, no, I didn't ask for that. So that, you know, <laughs> I didn't ask for that. And, and I have a, you know, I should be able to do things without feeling like, somebody's going to take advantage of me. Yep. That's that's my basic human right is to yep. exist and live and not feel like, not always have to think somebody's going to do something that will hurt me. So, so yeah, so now um, I am, uh, I tell my story. <laughs> I talk about it a lot more. Um, it, it did still take me a while after therapy to discuss it with my parents because I was still trying to, you know, just shield them away from it. Yeah. Um, but I remember when I told them it, they were sad, you know, they were sad that it, not the fact that they were sad that it happened to me and they couldn't protect me from that, you know, not anything else. I remember my dad was like, baby, that wasn't your fault. And you shouldn't have been afraid to tell somebody, you know? And, and I think that was the biggest thing for me when they were like, we're happy you made it through. We're happy you're okay. So they were sad that it happened to me, but they were just like, they love me. You know, <laughs> it was kind of like we- You take that therapy. Yeah. How yeah. long did you take the therapy? Um, I took therapy for about a year and a half. Okay. Year and a half, two years. And um, I still go see a therapist. <laughs> but for that, that was like a big part of that whole year, year and a half. Um, but now, you know, I pop in whenever I need some help, I'll, I'll make a call and be like, hey, it's time for a session, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah, just to deal with that, it was about a year and a half mm. to get me to a place where I could just accept that that happened to me, but it's not me, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not me. It's not who I am. I am still Janae. I'm still, you know, the loving person. I'm still all of this. It happened and it sucked, but mm -hmm. this is who you are, you know? <laughs> yep, yep. Mm -hmm. So when you're mentioning that you are a podcasting host and you're doing a podcast, mm -hmm. what kind of a podcasting is this and why is that important to you to do? Um, why is it important for me to, to yeah. podcast? Um, I just, so I do, like I said, I do a lot of self-care and talk about mental health. I feel like it's necessary. We all go through trauma we all go through things. And, you know, sometimes I think people feel like they're alone in what they go through, but you're not, you know, and that's one of the main reasons why I started podcasting was just to share stories 
my stories and other people's stories to let people know you are not alone in the, in the things that you're going through in life. Mm. It is okay to get help. It is okay to say that I'm not okay. It's okay to not be okay, you know, because everybody wants this, society wants us to have this picture perfect life and everybody is a mess. And we need to be honest about that with ourselves. You know, things go right, we're still a mess. Things go wrong, we're a mess and that's okay. We're beautiful messes, but we need to to talk about it. So, you know, so that you have something to relate to yep. and you know that you're not by yourself. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Tell us like more about your journey. And also I wanted to ask you one more thing. Like mm -hmm. what was the biggest or like the touching point when you're doing the podcast by yourself? Like, I mean, when you're hosting someone else, uh -huh. you might have heard like many stories. I have. And there are some stories that touch a lot more than the others. So what kind of a stories that really touch you? Um oh my goodness, so many. Um, okay, so a story that actually touched me and the episode hasn't came out yet, but it's going to come out. Um, and it's two. So I usually don't have men on my podcast because it's more centered to females uh, or women. I'm sorry, center for women, women. But I, I wanted to bring men on the podcast this year to talk about their journeys. Um, and the two male guests that I had on the podcast this this season they were amazing because they talked about their mental health journey. And, you know, men don't really talk about mental health. They like they, yeah, they don't talk about mental health. So, uh, and, and their stories touched me because they were open about talking about the things that they were going through and the struggles that they were going through as a man and how, you know, they put up these big personas to make it seem like they're the strong man, you know, and they can do the things they need to do. But on the inside, men are hurting too, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're hurting too and they're dealing with things too. And I, and, and it was just good to hear them say that out loud and not keep it in. Because like I said, I feel like everybody should know you're not alone, <laughs> you know, and especially for men, sometimes women, we, we see men as being the stronger, you know, sometimes I don't, you know, me and my husband, we share, <laughs> we're pretty much equal but you know it's this whole gender roles that we put men in and um and they're dealing with stuff just like we're dealing with things we're just more we we're more apt to express ourselves than men are because they want to hold up this whole facade yeah. of yeah. I'm the strong masculine man <laughs> you can depend on me yeah but that was those were good stories that's that's nice. That's nice. Mm -hmm. What was your satisfactory point when you do this kind of work? Um, like when people send me emails and say thank you um, for talking about this, or thank you for talking about mental health, or keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I I got a lot from this episode, or I did an episode before. It was about um, imposter syndrome and you know, how I struggle with the things that I've accomplished and who I feel like I really am. Yep. And I had a lot of people talk about like, I do the same thing. <laughs> Cause I was a little nervous putting that out, but whenever anybody just sends me an inbox to DM, you know, they email me or somebody that I'd never thought would listen. They'll be like, Hey, 
that was good stuff. Thank you for sharing that. That's where do you see your journey maybe next one year or like next a few years? What is that you wanted to actually achieve with this? Um I I don't know. <laughs> no, everybody has no doesn't yeah. have to be like, yeah. Yeah, the, everybody has these great like business. I don't do it for the money. I just do it to help people. And I know that sounds crazy, but you know, I don't I don't have like a I don't have a coaching business. I don't I don't want to be a life coach. That's not me. I'm not I'm a teacher. <laughs> you know? So, and I just share information that I, you know, that I've experienced and been through. So, if I can just keep helping people and, you know, helping them along on their journeys as I continue to go on my journey, that's the best thing that I could get out of all of this. When you mentioned that you are in teaching, there is an interesting question for me that came out like okay. <laughs> Do you ever talk about mental health situations to students that you are teaching? I- I do um because uh our kids in this country are full of anxiety um and stress that we don't even you know sometimes I don't think parents realize it but they are I have helped kids walk kids through panic attacks I have um some days in the mornings at the beginning of class like we'll just start off taking three deep breaths and thinking about what you want to accomplish for the day, you know, or taking three deep breaths and just thinking about some positive things that happened before you came to my class. So I, I do, I, I do share strategies with them because they go through a lot. <laughs> they go through a lot. And I teach mostly uh, juniors in high school. So, you know, they're trying to get ready for their senior year they're worried about grade point averages and passing classes and it's it's a lot for those <laughs> so i try to make sure that i incorporate the things that i've learned into my school and into my you know into my teaching and my lessons so that they could just have a better experience in high school so let's just say for example like a kid is having some trouble with whatever the reason or the scenario they're having Mm-hmm. and they are not able to come out of the shell the way, same way that you were in your mm-hmm. age mm-hmm. how do you actually like help them or like what are the steps that you expect to take or like mm-hmm. you know, what is that you actually do for so them for my students i recognize uh, first of all i want them to see me as um an advocate for them mm-hmm. you know just not i'm still their teacher i'm not their friend but i want them to know that i'm a safe place So that's established at the beginning, you know, in all of my communications and everything I do with my students, I am a safe place for you. I'm not just your physics teacher, but I'm somebody that if you need to talk, come talk to me. Mm. And I constantly, um, all the time, I always scan the room and I check the temperature for my students all the time. Like I look for mood, mood changes, cause you can tell, yes. you know, you, you, you just tell behavior changes, anything. I always pay attention to that. And then, you know, I just ask them how they're doing every day. How are you? Are you okay? Do you need anything? And, you know, once they understand that they can trust me and then I'm not, you know, some crazy authority say to figure, I don't know. Um, I just, you know, whenever they come up to me and they talk to me and they ask me for help with things, I do what I, what I can do, what's in my, you know, what's in my wheelhouse to help them with. And then if it's above my pay grade, that's what I usually like to say. Um, we set up a, I set up meetings with counselors 
Mm-hmm. Um, I get them to, you know, I get them to the proper channels who they can talk to. I also talk to other teachers for my students. Like I don't, you know, if they're having a really hard time in a class, I email a teacher because I, I just, sometimes I think as teachers, we have so much, so much to do. Yes. And what I do just comes natural to me. I don't know, I guess it's just my nature and I'm really protective of students. That's why, so that's in my nature. And I'm not knocking any other teacher, you know, but you know, it's just different things that we have in our wheelhouse. And so if a student is having a hard time, I email their teachers and say, hey, such and such is going through this today. She's gonna probably be a little spaced out or he's just not having a good day. So is there anything that we can do, you know, I'm just warning you before he gets to your class or warning you for tomorrow to let you know if there's no change, we need to come up with a plan. You know, it's just because they need that. They just need somebody on their side or they feel like it's on their side to do something. Hmm. Were there any scenarios that you actually had to reach out to their parents and explain like this this is happening to them? Yes, I've had for 13 years and I've done that a lot. A whole, a whole lot. Um, I've had to, to, uh, I've had to um, tell parents about pregnancies. I've had to tell parents about, um, you know, just emotional things that I'm seeing with the kids. I've had to tell parents about their child breaking the law, <laughs> and I know about it. Um, oh. Yeah, it's it's been a lot for the 13 years that I've been teaching. And it's it's they're very hard conversations. <laughs> this is very hard because sometimes parents don't know. You know, yep. and that's yep. it's not scary. And I don't blame the parents, but you know, I know how much teachers see kids during the day, and I know how much, you know, kids don't sometimes talk to their parents. So you know, I just, I throw myself out there and be like, I'll, I'll be the tribute. I hope you <laughs> yeah. For it being your specific interest versus like, what are the resources that you actually have in the schools to help kids like this? Um, so we are, um, we have a bunch, we have hotlines that we could call, um, but they're not to get the kids in trouble. It's mainly to get them help. Mm-hmm. Our counselors are amazing. Um, we have, they don't just focus on, you know, scheduling issues. They are uh, <clears throat> just now counselors at high schools are really keen on um, handling anxiety and, you know, just different mental health issues that we know our students have. Um, we do have a trauma counselor on on campus who just deals with trauma, you know, or emotional stuff that's that's her job that's the only thing she does um and then you know we have the parents and then we could talk to the assistant principals as well so we have a bunch of things you know and we have processes in place to help our students that's nice that's nice because mm-hmm. about when, when i was talking about different aspects of it i was trying to collect the gaps in the education systems as well so oh, gotcha out of like yeah yeah well i i'm i'm fortunate because i work at a school that um, uh, I'm gonna say it. Um, it's of the upper socioeconomic status. So okay. we have, you know, millionaires, kids who are at our schools. So we 
we're able to affect things a little bit differently because <laughs> of the tax bracket. That's that's it. Yeah, now when I was in the lower, cause I've, I've taught on both spectrums, they try to do the same thing, to be honest. Um, it's just, you know, time, money, <laughs> but they try to do um, the same thing. So if there's a, if we see a kid and I mean, if I've ever, I've never had a problem with if a kid is in distress at either, you know, at either ends that a counselor won't do anything about it. So there's always help um, when it comes to mental health. We just have to utilize it and teachers have to utilize it because we get trained on it. We get trained to see it and the counselors get trained to handle it, so. Were there any parents that gave a hard time to accept that their kids are going through this? Because in my culture, for example, Mm -hmm. I wanted to give example for myself. Yeah. If we go back to our parents and say like, yeah, I have, I'm feeling depressed or like I'm Mm -hmm. having some mental issues. I don't think for me, in my culture, mental issue is not a thing at all. Gotcha. All that we will hear back from our parents is like, go have a cup of water and then pray. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, it's how we would dealt. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Is there any parent that gave you a hard time when you were yeah. talking about that? <laughs> yes, that too. It was, I don't know what they have to have any problems with. They got everything they need. And it's like, no, they don't. That's not what they need. That's how it works yeah. for mental health. Yeah, exactly. It's like, have you asked them how they are doing? Like, have you really asked, who are they hanging out with? Who are they texting every day? Have you asked them about social media? Like the parents do, they sometimes it's hard for them to grasp that, oh, something is wrong with my kid. And I've had had that say, yep. had parents say, well, they just need to pray about it. It's like, no, <laughs> wait, no. <laughs> I have heard that many times. That's why I just wanted to bring that up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I'm gonna be honest. I heard that when I was younger too. <laughs> like when you know you're dealing with emotional stuff, and they just think you're fine. Go take a nap. Go pray oh, and take yes. a nap. Yeah, that's what I was told. Go pray about it and take a nap. And I was like, no, nah, wait. <laughs> that's not it. I need to talk about this. So true. That's so true. Mm-hmm. In in your whole span, whether doing a podcast or being a teacher, mm-hmm. were there any situations that is actually like way too connected with you and it is like resonates with you? I can say where it is like the happiest moment or even the lowest moment that you felt like, man, this is too much for me to take. Um, to process it personally. Yeah. Uh, I can say this year has been a lot. Um, (laughs) just with the pandemic and teaching and, uh, this, this has been a low year for me. It has been a, do you really want to continue doing this and risk your life? You know, it's it's just, you have to weigh (laughs) as a teacher. I had to weigh out my options. Like, sure. (laughs) Is this this for you? Like, are you okay with this? It's, It's just, this year has been hard. Um, but I I still find my happy moments and it's all the time. Teaching wise, it's always with my students. Mm -hmm. Um, I love them. I love their personalities. I love their little minds working and problem solving. Um, Even though I tell them, I say, I teach you physics, but I'm really trying to teach you how to handle life. You know, like physics comes secondary to me. If we need to, I have times in my class where some days I'll just rearrange the lesson just so they can talk 
because that's mm. all they really want to do is talk anyways they want people to hear them so that's that's kind of like my highlight of teaching is the times where I just let them talk and and I laugh at them because it's a lot of funny stories but you know it's it's good to hear where they're at um podcasting wise um it's just good to be heard sometimes (laughs) you know that's that's the high points if I'm heard that's amazing like it's like oh great you listen thank you (laughs) yeah that's yeah I, I don't think I've really had any low points um when it came to podcasting um at all this it's always like a, oh you listen to me thank you <laughs> good. that's good mm-hmm. were there any stories that actually impacted you and change your perspective of thinking about something or like change your mindset on something else so mm-hmm. are there any scenarios that way I did I am and it's crazy I had my mom and my aunt on my show for a mother's day special and I just got to hear them talk about you know their lives (laughs) my mom had me when she was 17 and my my aunt was 13 and so you know I I asked them questions about what they thought you know as they were growing up what did they really think they wanted to do before I came in the picture like (laughs) what were your goals and aspirations and it was just crazy because my mom told me (laughs) her goal as a 15 year old was to be a secretary I said girl (laughs) my mother is intelligent both of them are educators like they both work they're both teachers and I was like girl a secretary she said I know I didn't know (laughs) so it was just good to hear their stories and hear them talk about their lives and what they were thinking as they were growing up you know just as they were becoming women like how did they think things were gonna go so was that your motivation point to keep doing all this or like yeah. is there anything okay yeah, it was <laughs> it okay. was listening to them and hearing them talk it was like okay I just need to keep and they've always been my motivation all the women in my well the men and women I have a very supportive family and so I've never it's never been a oh you shouldn't do that it's always a well we know you're gonna do it anyways because you do what you want to do so um we support you <laughs> that's all that's that's good yeah mm-hmm. how is your family support right now your husband it's, kids it's are... good he is very supportive and very amazing um I got married late in life <laughs> I got married last year 2019 so um yeah <laughs> I waited for him I didn't let me not say that I didn't think I was ever gonna get married like that was the yeah I wasn't planning on it I was just gonna be single and whatever for the rest of my life and then he came along and changed that all up and he is an amazing man amazing husband and an amazing dad he is very supportive um he likes to hear me talk through my processes of what I'm thinking about um I told him about you know the trauma that I experienced and um, he asked questions so he could understand. And then um, he was just supportive. It was never a, uh, it was nothing judgmental about it. He was just like, I'm, I'm sorry it happened to you. You know, and, and I told him about my anxiety because I have an anxiety disorder. I told him about that. He was like, don't worry, I do too. So, you know, <laughs> we're good when it comes to mental health. We make sure we're both good. So 
it's pretty you, you just mentioned about like getting asked uh questions mm -hmm. not about your husband in specific like were there definitely you might have gone through like some judgmental points and mm -hmm. people asking you questions what mm -hmm. if you are like a discomfort question or like a point where you feel like man these people will never change this is how it is going to be it was the the question that i always had it was why why did you go over there i said because i wanted to the plan was fine i i think at one point i i was because i was so comfortable and just i felt like it didn't even matter anymore <laughs> i did tell somebody this they said why did you go over there i said the plan was to have a good time and have sex like i just said it <laughs> I don't know what else you want me to say. Person, yeah, yeah, just the one person. But after I said that, like it, that person was like, oh, you know, it kind of took them back because it's the truth. Like I consented with this person, like the plan was to have a good date and do this with one person, you know, <laughs> to the person I consented to. And uh that that's always the the question that that really it was like, well, why else did you think I was over there? I mean, it's <laughs> so true. That is true. Yeah. It's as simple as that. I mean, why is that so hard to understand? Even yeah. If you were there in that situation. That is what it is. Exactly. Like you, why would you have been over there? You know what you were going <laughs> I don't know. It's just that, but after I kind of, it was kind of like a, I was fed up with hearing the question. It, it, I actually, it, I think it stopped happening. And another good thing that happened was the Me Too movement. Because yeah. once that happened, I stopped getting stupid questions. <laughs> you know, it was no more like, well, what were you wearing? Well, what were you? It was no more all of that stuff. It was just like, That's we, yeah, it was like, we hear your story and here it is. But it was no more of those judgmental questions. It was just like. That is, that is really surprising for me to hear that Me Too movement helped you because yeah. a lot of people tagged that saying like, yes, Me Too, but mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people really got much out of it is what I can say, at least yeah. from my perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really surprised like that you found that outlet from that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I guess, I don't know. It gave me the courage to talk about it more. Like I, I was more open about my story when it happened. And, and I, it was more so because people know who I am and mm. they know that my personality and they know, you know, they just, they know me and I'm not very, you know, shy about telling people I'm, I am, I'm a strong woman. I'm not a superwoman. I'm not superwoman at all, you know, but you know, I'm, I'm strong, I'm strong willed, I'm strong minded, you know, and I'm determined. And I'm very protective over myself and other people. So when folks heard that it happened to me, it gave them a different perspective on it. It was like, well, dang, if that happened to Janae, then yeah. yikes, you know? <laughs> yeah, it happened. It happens to the, the strongest of us and the weakest of us, you know? It's not, there's no, there's no one target, <laughs> you know? This, yeah, it's no one target. It, it happens. It happens to women all over the place. And no one cares how strong you are. No one cares about any of this other stuff. It, it happens. And yep. we just need to, if we can accept the fact that it happens and it's not the woman's fault, yep. you know, there's nothing. I know in my situations, there's nothing I could have done differently. As much as I wanted to run, I couldn't, you know, it wasn't, there was no way 
I wish I would have, but I couldn't. I just, you know, and it's other women who are like that. As much as you think you how you would plan how it would happen and how you would escape the situation, when you're in the situation, it doesn't happen that way. You yep. know, it's your body does different things and responds different ways. And you know, it 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 happens. It's not okay. And it's not okay to blame a woman. Yep. Yeah. Were there any very lowest points for you where you felt like this is it? I just can't take this anymore. Yeah, um, it, it happened um, in 2015. I uh, I dealt with some deaths in my family, um, and my mom. I almost lost my mom too. It happened like within two years. Like, mm-hmm. and then I ended up going in the hospital. And after that and dealing with it was just a lot of stuff happening like a stressful job and you know you might as well tell everybody you love them now but that was again you know therapy helped (laughs) that was another you know I wasn't afraid to reach out to a therapist and say I'm having these issues I'm having these thoughts and this is not okay you know it's it's not okay I need to talk to somebody and so you know therapy to the rescue (laughs) just because it it helps. It does. It does. Uh, since I have not been to therapy at all, I just mm-hmm. wanted to ask a question related to therapy. Like, yeah, what sure. kind of a session would that be? Like, I mean, how do you, I mean, you are explaining about your problem, whatever mm-hmm. the situation that could be, whether you are depressed or mentally or like mm-hmm. something happened to you, anything. Yeah. Your scenario has been put out. What was the process like about the therapy? You took like one and a half year long. Um, so the process, the first thing was the first couple of sessions was just me talking, <laughs> you know, and, and it was easy to talk because it was somebody who did not know me, you know, and could, is that you'll be really comfortable talking to yeah. somebody that we don't know mm-hmm. talking about these kind of situations. It always be that way. Exactly. Exactly. And so it was just easy because I was like, she doesn't know me and her job is to help me. So I might as well talk about everything. And that's what I did. I just, I talked, I talked, I talked. And then uh, about the second or third session, she was like, okay, so now we're going to talk about this. When you talked about this, let's talk about that. So, you know, and, and so as we went through therapy, we were just handling traumas and she was giving me tools and I had assignments and, you know, it wasn't just talking. It was a lot of doing and me doing work. And um, I remember hearing somebody talking about therapy, like, you know, you're not always going to come out of every session feeling great. You're not. And sometimes I would come out of sessions like boohoo crying or angry, you know, just mad because I had to deal with feelings that I was suppressing because I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to face them. And so it was, it was a process. (laughs) It was not a one-time thing, one-day thing. Mm-mm. No, it's not a one-time, one-day. It is a process, but it's a good process, and I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm happy I did it. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Did you ever had like suicidal thoughts by any chance? I did. I did. I did. It wasn't. Um, it was. It was a low point. It wasn't great. I never acted on it. You know, it was never an act. Um, the ideation was there. I just knew I had people who loved me. And if I were to do anything like that, I didn't want to hurt them. Cause mm-hmm. I knew that would, you know, I, it was it was a whole thing that I knew it would have hurt them if I would have hurt myself. So it's just, 
it was that was a very low moment and that's the only thing actually my little sister she uh she i tell her this all the time and she did never know i tell her she saved my life because i was at I, it was a really low point and she just texted me and was like i love you she had no clue what i was going through she had no you know nothing knew nothing was going on and that one little thing and I went and I, I, found, I was like, where are you? And <laughs> she was like, I'm over at mom's house. And I was like, okay. I just went over and I sat with her and I let her hug on me, <laughs> you know, I let her love on me and hug on me. And it just, that helped. Cause sometimes you just need that. Yeah. You, not, you know, we know people love us, but sometimes you just need to hear it. And yeah. it pulls you out of that dark place. That's yeah. amazing knowing that of course, I'm a, I know that I'm asking a lot of questions to you because yeah. You being a podcaster, I think you're the first podcaster that I'm actually interviewing. Okay. <laughs> so I just, I'm, I'm really eager to understand, like, what is your process of taking all this? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, the way I talk, the way I'm talking to you is the way I talk on my podcast. I'm very open. I'm honest. I just, um, I, yeah, I'm open and honest. That's, that's the only thing I can be. <laughs> Will these stories from other people actually impact you in any um, mental ways? Um, no, I protect myself uh, a lot whenever I listen to understand, but I, um, I'm a Christian, so I pray over myself and I protect my mental because I know, you know, people's energies can rub off on you. <laughs> It's a transfer of things. And so I always keep myself covered. So when I hear stories, especially since I'm a teacher, because it's a lot of, like I said, yeah. it's a lot yeah. in the school, it's a lot. Yeah. So I keep myself, I pray over myself. I, uh, I make sure I know my boundaries. I know the things that I can handle. I know the things that I can't. Like you said, you were asking me like, if a student is going through, I'm quick to say, hey, let's take you to the counselor. <laughs> If I can't handle it, or if I know it's gonna, you know, come back to me, I'm, I'm quick to be like, hey, let's get you some help with somebody that can really help you instead of absorbing it and taking it in and putting it into me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's good to know. Cause like these kind of stories are not easy to digest, mm -hmm. not easy to even like keep just hearing them, mm -hmm. too many of them. Yeah. I have heard people saying me like, yeah, don't take these interviews too many in one week, just schedule one or two. Yeah, I, I agree, yeah. I agree. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, since you are also doing all this, mm -hmm. other people are like, I mean, your students, and yeah. also like podcasting, you might be hearing stories and number of stories all around the place. Right, yeah, yeah, I do. Your so. intake is what I was like interested mm -hmm. in. Yeah, I, I always make sure, and if I can't handle it or if I need a break, I do, I break, I stop. I tell myself, okay, that's enough, you can't. And I, I will take a break. Like if I feel like my mental needs more attention than anything else, like my, my self-care, I will take a break for a good two, three, four, however long I need to make sure that I'm okay to be able to help somebody else. Because like I said, you can't pour out of an empty cup. Yep. And, and a lot of people have a lot of heavy things on them and it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for all the messages. Is there anything that you wanted to say as a closing note? 
Um, just, uh, I, I love to say this at the end, make sure you take care of yourself, work on yourself, um, because you don't want to take your, your traumas to anybody else. <laughs> so, so heal yourself any way that you can do what you need to do to heal yourself. Okay. Thank you for tuning in. And you can find me on all the socials at Smitha Gunturi and the show notes for any resources mentioned. See you next week. Take care.